Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well... Hello, and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and I'm so stoked because I have Dr. Katrine Wallace back on the show, aka Epidemiologist Cat. In case you don't know, I'm going to read her awesome bio here, um, and I've read it before, but um, so Dr. Wallace holds a PhD in epi- epidemiology and hmm, has a professional experience in epidemiology, science communication, health economics, research design, and biostatistics. She's currently an epidemiologist and adjunct professor. Here comes my dog um, at the University of Illinois. My bio is really impressive. So, you know, you're summoning the dog. (laughs) Right. The dog's like, I have to hear everything. I need to know all of it. Um, And but she is professor at the University of Illinois and School of Public Health. So it's always such a pleasure to have Dr. Kat on the show. And is it okay if I call you Kat? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I want to call you Dr. Cat. We're I don't past want to be all that. Yes. Okay. 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 Um, We're just Cat well, and Nicole. That's right. We're. Uh, I wanted to have Cat back on the show because I wanted to catch up with her about all the things that are happening right now uh, in so the world. So much happening. Like monkeypox. COVID obviously is still a thing, even though people don't think it is. Um, polio. And there's another virus out. Um it's a new virus. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, lingua. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but we are just gonna, this I always say, I always say it wrong, like tongue in Spanish, like lingua, but it's lingia or something. Lingia, lingia, <laughs> henny virus. Before we do any of that, how are you, Kat? I'm good. It's so funny that you message me on the day that you messaged me to come on this podcast because I've just been recently because the last two and a half years have been such a blur and so much activity with the pandemic and everything I've just been recently kind of getting all of my press together and podcasts the list of episodes I've been on and things like that just to organize it all so I have everything kind of links to everything and I was like, wow, I haven't talked to Nicole in a while because I had the dates for when I was on the last time. And so I was actually going to reach out to you just to see how you were doing. And then that same day, you sent me an, an email. That's so cool. I, <laughs> I'm i like, I, uh, yeah, I was just, we must have been like 
having a little mind meld. It was of- we- it was really weird. I saw your name in my inbox and I was like, no way. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was meant to be. Well, and you know, I know that you're like, so busy and you are like in the press and you've got your regular job and then all of your other stuff that you do. So I just, I mean, every, anytime you come on the show, I'm just so stoked. But it's fun. I feel like we just kind of talk and it, the, yeah. it flies by and it's it's not, lo- doesn't feel like work to me. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Well, me too. Wow. Um, where to, where to begin? Um, I know. Um, Monkey it's a pox. little bit, it is or, a really weird ahead. time. Monkeypox. Oh yeah, we can totally talk about monkeypox. It's, um, so it's a really weird time right now because we have, like you were mentioning, we have, we're all, we're still in a pandemic, which people kind of forget. And then we have monkeypox and polio, which is pretty much, you know, just kind of not really an imminent threat for most of the country, but you know, it's on the horizon and it's showing up in New York and people I feel like are panicking, um, you know, and I guess I understand why, because there's all these media stories about all these diseases that are kind of showing up. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think people are, I think it's good that we're doing this podcast because it's good for people to kind of take a breath and realize like what, how we can really assess risk and what is really a risk and what risks we need to focus on more than others. I think people hear a new um, disease in the media and they automatically jump to, oh, we're going to go into another pandemic and there's going to be another lockdown and this kind of thing. Um, And that's understandable because we've just gone through kind of a collective trauma as a global community right so it is scary but i think it's good that we're doing this to kind of talk through what's going on and what exactly people should be doing to prevent these things because as we said it's sort of backwards right now people are downplaying the risk of covid which is actually a high risk right Mm -hmm. to people walking around in the community the prevalence (laughs) right it's based on a numbers game right yeah and then they're sort of panicking about other things that are not quite so much of a, an immediate risk from day to day. So, um, yeah, so we can start talking about monkeypox and then we can kind of just go from there and we, you can ask whatever questions I might forget to, yeah. to talk about. <laughs> it's so, true. I just want to say you're right, though. I mean, everyone um, is just like, oh, my God polio or yeah monkeypox i mean it's good i'm really happy that we're talking about it but yeah it's um, important it doesn't feel just my like anecdotal feeling it's like i don't think right now it nothing feels as scary as covid did yeah i mean and covid you know, luckily, we've come a long way since 2020, right? I mean, and anybody that's, I, I get a lot of people in my DM saying, you know, I've, I've, I failed because I went two and a half years without getting COVID. And now I finally got it. And I feel like I've done all this, per, you know, I've stayed in the house for nothing for two and a half years. But I keep reminding people that, you know, that it, getting, getting COVID now 
is a lot different than getting it in 2020. And no one knows that more than you, right? Because you dealt with these patients. And, you know, now we have a lot more tools. We do have a lot more tools to deal with it on the prevention side and on the treatment side than we did back in 2020. So when people are upset and 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 I I tell them you know you still did a great job a not getting infected when we didn't have all those things and also just not allowing yourself to get repeatedly infected because now there's research that you know the more times you're infected the more chances you have at you know some kind of long covid sequelae condition that prolongs after your acute covid is over so that's all good stuff. And so, you know, it's, and it's hardly people's fault because BA.5 is the most contagious variant we've ever had. So it's, it's just spreading very easily. That virus is like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get all of you. I'm going to get all of you. I mean, the the nice thing is we are um, going to have the new vaccine shortly, which is going to incorporate the genetic material from BA4 and 5. Um, so that's nice because hopefully we'll be able to stave off some of these um, infections and get rates down. So it's not a constant thing we're thinking about, you know, let's hope. Yeah. Did you see Dr. Rubin's uh, yes, post the, that maybe yes. we might get it in a couple weeks? Yeah, I guess doctors are getting... Um, having the opportunity to pre-order uh, vaccines. So I, I just saw it on his post. So, I mean, obviously he's would know more than me because I don't give vaccines, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think I, I'm so, going to be the first in line with my son. That- <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. It's so funny. Um, I am like, I have my, I just did a test this morning because I have like allergies. I'm negative, but like, you know, oh, yeah. I love, I love, I, I have allergies all the time, so um, do I. but it's like, I just, this, you know, COVID is now just a part of our lives. Um, and the mitigation strategies are part of that. And obviously vaccines help quite a bit. Um, and back to your point about those people who have gotten it, someone in my life, recently told me that they had COVID, but they had it a while ago and they didn't want to tell me because they thought that I would look down on them. But I was like, like, no way you did all the things that you were supposed to do. You got vaccinated. Yeah. It's not, it's not a moral failing at all. It's, it's, it's definitely BA.5. And that's what I've been telling people too. It's, it's really, it's really insidious. People are getting it being totally careful you know, sometimes you can't help, but you need to go to the grocery store. You need to go to work. And if nobody else is masking at your job, except for you, like, what are you supposed to do about that? You know, it's, it's really hard because we don't have, so we know that, you know, masks help. We saw that, that they help with COVID. And we also know they help with influenza and other respiratory viruses, because we saw the influenza rates drop to nothing when we were masking, right. And distancing from people. So we know that they work, Um, you know, and I think that's a reason to at least pursue wanting to still use them while we're having the rates that we have. But um, unfortunately we don't have support from the highest levels of government public health for that recommendation. So it's hard for me to tell people like, Oh, you know, 
you should tell everyone around you to wear a mask because people will just be like, well, that's not what the CDC says. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, the CDC. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they do recommend them, but it's, it's hard to, you know, blanket. Like I can't tell my son's school, like, well, you should have everybody wear a mask because the CDC just put out their new school guidelines and it doesn't say that in there. So just because I think it, isn't enough for the school to make a policy on it. You know, this is a total tangent, but I mean, it's on topic. Um, how are you feeling? Like, you know, as a a mother of a a child who's going into public schools where their masking is not recommended. It's, I mean, it is scary to me. Luckily his school has a very high vaccine percentage the kids that got it it's a lot of kids so that makes me feel good because i know that's not the case everywhere and he's in high school too so it's different a little there's a a better uptake of vaccines among older children and adolescents than there is in the smaller kids and especially the very smallest there's like a very poor uptake um So his school, that part is okay. And I don't, I'm past the point now where I feel like somebody, like that we're going to get severely ill or have to be in the hospital or anything like that. So that's, that's at least something that's, that gives me a little bit of calmness is that, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, we will maybe get it, but we probably won't be in the ICU or whatever. But I don't, the thing that does still scare me is that there's that possibility of, you know, the brain fog for a long time or like lack of energy. Cause I mean, I have like nine jobs, (laughs) not really, but I've got, yeah, I do a lot of stuff. So I can't even imagine if I, if I were to get that, like, I was like, how could I function in all the stuff I have to do? You know, that scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I did see, I know we're sort of jumping around with COVID. Is it okay if we're still talking about COVID? Oh, yeah. Um, I saw a, somebody, someone mentioned with like the, the the Omicron family of the, of, of COVID-19 um, has way less probability of getting um, long COVID, like something like 4%. Did you see I that saw or? that too. It was de- it was compared to the Delta variant. I think mm-hmm. yes, it was much much less. And actually, I think Delta, and that's what I tell people too that have not had COVID and have COVID now is that they're very happy they didn't get the Delta variant because I had a lot of I had fa- fully vaccinated friends that were had like some lung involvement from Delta variant. I I you know that paper came out that said that there was more possibilities of long-term issues. I think that was a nasty uh, iteration of this virus. Yeah. Um, So I do think that that's probably, probably accurate, at least based on that one paper that we have. Hmm. I'm like, that's, that made me feel a lot safer and a lot better about like navigating the world. Yeah, I so supposedly I still haven't gotten it, but you know, you're a super dodger. I don't know a dodger. Yeah, it's like a dodgeball. Totally, it's like super dodger. I was in this 
I was interviewed for an article about super Dodgers and like what I thought was going on. Cause I think that what they were insinuating, they wanted me to insinuate there's something biological about certain individuals that caused them to not get COVID yet. And I'm just like, I think it's mitigation and luck. Honestly, I, I mean, I, if there is something biological, that would be really interesting, but I think we're years away from that. Um, research wise, knowing anything about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's really it's interesting, but I don't know if I'm I'm sold on that theory. <laughs> I don't believe it. I just think it's uh luck or I got it. And although I will say I'm like a per- person that tests myself all the time. So do I. And I had a couple of colds in in I had two colds back to back in March and April of 2022, which I thought that was weird. Yeah. Um and I went and got a couple PCRs for both times cuz of my works policy. Yes. And did home tests all the time, which I mean, I know you're not supposed to do (laughs) because it's kind of a waste, but like nothing ever ever showed up. So no, exactly. I don't know. They're just regular, regular colds, but uh, I've I've been really, so when you said you had allergies, I have allergies too. And so I wake up every morning thinking I have COVID. (laughs) I know because you hear those people that are like, I just thought it was allergies. I'm like, yeah. I don't want it to be me. And then I'm walking around spreading COVID places. I know. You know? So uh, it's it's especially because I've been working, volunteering in the monkeypox clinic, va- vaccine clinic. Um, so I've been around people and people that are around other people. Right. So I'm like, OK, I need to. And I've been doing all the things like in my little room. I, I do the registration and like some health counseling about you know mitigations <laughs> and while and in there it's funny because I've got my co2 monitor on my desk and then I've got my little HEPA filter that it's like portable that I bring with me and then I have hand sanitizer in case anybody wants something anything oh right right <laughs> or, or yeah and then I've got or t- <clears throat> then I've got Clorox wipes for my iPad and my desk. I'm like a complete like, but luckily it's my system has been working so far. I've got like a whole list of mitigations. I've got the whole Swiss cheese model in my office. All right. And I've got the door wide open, <laughs> except for somebody wants me to close it for whatever reason. Yeah, that that's so cool that you're doing that. I I want to I I really want to talk about that and. And I do want to get into monkeypox, um, but but can do you mind if I ask you a couple more things about? Oh gosh, no, no, ask stuff. whatever you want. This is so you're the this is your show. Okay, so we supposedly have these like Omicron specific vac- vaccines coming out. What do you think is going to happen with COVID in these coming years? I mean, it's so hard. So, I mean, what the goal is, right, of of coming up with these updated vaccines is to try to sort of put put COVID on a seasonal schedule like the influenza is, right? So we don't always get it right, what vaccine, the flu, um, what strain is going to be circulating. So we have the different strains in one and we try to guess what based on what was circulating the year before. So 
the goal is to try to do the same type of thing for COVID and, and hopefully we will get there. The problem is we aren't there yet. And we're having like summer surges and spring surges. And, and right now we have a surge that's every time the virus mutates, we have a surge. So it's like we have one and then we, it goes, you know, down and then everybody's like, okay, COVID is over nobody's masking. We're all like rocking out and then it mutates and then goes back up. So that's the problem is that globally, we're not on this seasonal schedule. So we haven't reached that endemicity where we can predict what's going to happen. So that's, that's been the issue. So hope, so hopefully catching up with the vaccines so we can like break some of these chains of transmission will help to facilitate that cycle. But it's hard to say because it's like we're fighting mother nature, right? Yeah. What do you think the people's adherence will be to the Omicron specific? Well, um, so it's hard to say that because um, the regular booster, it wasn't very good. And the second booster, it's like even worse. So, I don't know if people just didn't get those because they didn't want like just another of the same, you know, original virus vaccine, or if they just gave up on the vaccine altogether. Um, But I think there's going to need to be really good communications around the fact that this isn't just another same thing. This is an actually an updated vaccine that's like the flu shot that you get every fall and you're going to need to stay updated with your vaccines. I think that is the the key. I think when we originally sold this vaccine to people, it was a two dose vaccine series. And once you get it, you're fully vaccinated. And that was the strong message that came And now that there's been other ones, I think that message has been sort of why the boosters are important have been sort of lost in the communications. Right. And, and there, and to to be clear, like there was kind of less strong evidence, I guess, for the boost, the, the fourth booster um, in younger people. So that wasn't recommended, but the third booster, there is good evidence that it's, it's helping everybody. Right. So, um, but I think that message wasn't driven home as much. And mm-hmm. and we still, I think the CDC website still says like two vaccines is considered to be fully vaccinated when that third booster is really strongly recommended for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope so it's that- a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a communications mess, I think. So I think th- this new one, if we want good uptake, which we do, because it'll really help break those chains of transmission, we need to get the comms out there that this is an updated vaccine. Mm-hmm. I hope that they make it mandatory for where I work. Um, but I mean, that's yeah. a totally t- different topic. But I feel, you know, the more people who have to, I mean, it's all about the public, right? And it's just really, it's one thing that's been pretty dismaying to me as a public health professional is that you really can't kind of get people, you can't make people care about community health if they don't, right? So there's just two different types of people. There's people that will do anything that they can to end the pandemic. And, you know, if that means like staying home from things they really want to do, or, you know, like you and me, 
wasting thousands of dollars on tests because we have allergies and we want to make 100% sure that we know that that's not what it is. Um, you know, there's people like that. And then there's people that are like, well, they can't tell me what I need to do. And like, I'm, you know, and the, that um, medical freedom argument is becoming a political platform. And it's really hard to argue against. Like, um, anti-vaccine activists used to try to use science and cherry pick data and twist data, but that was very easy for scientists to debunk. But for somebody to just say, this is my body and you can't tell me, that's a lot harder for us to argue against, right? Because that's more of like a, it's not a scientific argument, right? It's not, it's not a argument that can be easily debunked, right? I mean, you know, you can say to somebody, well, okay, that's true. And nobody is coming to your house to force you to get it, but you aren't participating in public health. So you're an adult and these are the consequences of your actions. If you don't, you can't participate in public things, you know, it's, it's just, but that's as far as the conversation ever can go because the two sides don't see the other perspective. And it's just been very hard for me to accept that there's a huge part of our population that doesn't want to end the pandemic and doesn't want to do whatever they can to make that happen. And it's Mm -hmm. been, it's just been really sad. Yeah. And on the flip side, a lot of those people are um, pro-life, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's confusing, (laughs) right? It's confusing because yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of strange nuance there, but yes, it's, it's been, it's just been really sad as a public health person that's been trained in these things. Like to me, it seems obvious that that's, that people just kind of need to pull together. Like I sort of have this weird nostalgia for the first like month of the pandemic when everyone was at home and everyone was like, we're saving lives and we're staying home and, you know, everybody was in it together. And then it sort of diverged. And I sort of wish we were all back there together. <laughs> like, I get that it went on longer than people wanted, but um, well, it's a weird, strange nostalgia, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we were all just immediately put in this kind of really scary place like you said before like we have this sort of shared trauma global shared trauma um and then but we were you know hopeful and trying to do everything we could and i I hear yeah yeah oh yeah so we're probably not near you said and I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, I hope, I really hope that we get there and I I think we will. I just, it, there's still, I think this round, there was still a lot of people that had never gotten COVID yet. So every time there's a new variant, it's going to surge because there's people who don't have any, and like, you know, people that aren't vaccinated or have never had it. Like we aren't completely unsusceptible population and BA.5 changed so much that even people that had BA.1 were getting it again. Right. Mm. So it's just, it's, it's just been kind of a mess. Damn COVID. COVID 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 COVID-19. But you know, it's, it's 
it's just it is what it is and and you know people the one thing is like oh we need to get back to normal is like the theme everywhere like let's just go on with our lives and everything needs to get back to normal but i think what people don't understand is that this is not going anywhere so if we all kind of got behind the mitigation measures it would make everyone's lives a lot easier it would mean that no economies would have to be suffering because we would all be doing our best to protect each other and no businesses would have to close because they don't have any workers and flights wouldn't have to be canceled because they don't have any pilots I mean, we all tried to protect each other in all situations we would you know that would be kind of a universal benefit to everybody but we aren't doing that and and it's been a priority to not do that. So it's been really kind of like, again, just disappointing because that is a a way that we could be working together to at least get things to a level of not crazy all the time. I know. I feel like we could say, okay, this is it. And maybe we're in a, like we're on the downslope of a current surge, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it would be like, okay, well, when there is a surge, it'll be like, oh, right, this is a great time to c- consider yes. wearing masks when you're out in public or you're on the bus or, you know, if you're going to a movie or if you're going to a concert. So that's a really excellent point. And I think it was a missed opportunity in this pandemic is that we presented everything as a dichotomy. Like you do it or you don't do it, or you do this or you don't do this. It, um, We really should have presented it more like levels of like as cases go up we add layers of mitigation as they go down we take them away or like japan has a really simple like it's like masks ventilation and distance and like you need all those three things in and they they're very strict about it um I can't remember what the three words are because they all start with the same letter. They have a nice graphic that's posted everywhere in Japan. Um, But yeah, it's just, it doesn't need to be these dichotomies because no dichotomy is ever a hundred percent or zero percent effective, right? Like you have to wear a mask. Oh, now you don't like there's this magic line that we cross where we don't, you know what I mean? It's just strange to me. Um, So I still, advocate for masks on my channel i still wear them personally when i'm indoors in public i um you know i i feel like they that's what i can do in case that allergy cold i have sometime isn't allergies that's what i can do to protect people when i'm picking up coffee or whatever it's it's something small that i can do for my community Hmm. well uh yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. I know we're speaking to the choir. I'm sure everybody listening to you are are like, yes, yes, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, though, there are some people on the, I mean, in the medical community, and I, just like everybody else, they're just over it. They don't want to, you know. Yeah. There, there's, there's no putting anybody back in the barn. It's all that's, that's true. <laughs> like no one, you know, even my husband. He has an architecture firm and a really small office. Um, and there were recommendations for like, if you have an office greater than these number of employees, you should yeah. have people wear masks or whatever. I think all that stuff's been lifted. But, you know, he has his 
employees coming in and they've got kids in school and they, you know, right. And there's no mask wearing in that office, even though it's like tiny, they do have HEPA filters. It's like spread out or whatever, but like no one, no one in that office will want to wear a mask, you know, again. Yeah. (laughs) But the HEPA filters do do a lot. My mom, my family anecdote, but my family and I took, I was on vacation last week and we took an art class, um, at this place, you know, those paint and yeah, sip and paint kind of. Yeah, exactly. But none of us do. So we were like the most boring class they probably ever had, but, um, or the most fun being sober is fun. We were pretty fun, but we had like a hundred kids with us too. So it was pretty funny. But anyway, the lady had, like, I was a little bit nervous and I was kind of like, well, you know, should we really do this? But maybe we can all wear masks. And like, I was, I was, cause I don't do that many, like indoor gathering type things. Um, so to me, it was a little bit, I was going to do it, but I was a little bit nervous going into it. But I have my little CO2 monitor that's always in my purse and I always kind of assess what what I'm working with. And she had um, HEPA filters and it was actually almost as good as the air outside. Like it, wow. was, it, was, it was really good, well ventilated and the air was really good in there. So I was actually pretty comfortable. I mean, I still wore my mask, but I your feel li- like your it, risk was low. I I did not feel nervous at all. So, can you talk about your CO two monitor yeah. deal, which yeah. I love? Uh, yeah. So we do. Um, yeah, I do it. I have a series of videos on my channel where we're talking about um, ventilation in different settings, and the way that we measure that is by the density of CO two, and so the we have a monitor, which is a CO two monitor which measures the amount of carbon dioxide in a space. So carbon dioxide, and people are like, what does that cause COVID? Like what, what's, it's a proxy measurement. So it, it doesn't have anything really to do with COVID, but we know COVID is a respiratory virus. So the higher the CO2 in a room, the more likely you'll be breathing air that's been in somebody else's lungs. So that's a good proxy for like your risk, I guess. Um, so there's not a guarantee if it's high or going to get COVID or not, but it's just, you know, something, it's another thing to be aware of. It's, Mm -hmm. it's an, it helps me to make informed choices. Like, for example, my car was in the shop and I was like, okay, do I stay and bring my computer or should I just go, you know, take the bus home or what should I do? Cause I live in the city. And so I brought my computer and my monitor and I'm like, oh, I'll just see what it's like. And if it's not bad, I'll stay and I'll work from their little, you know, guest room or whatever. And I got there and it was pretty good. Like the ceilings were high and there was like air conditioning going and and it was the levels on my CO2 monitor were really low, even though there were people in there. So I stayed. But if that level was really high, I would have just gone home until they called me. So it's it helps me to... It enables me to make like data-driven decisions about my risk. Yeah, like so you post a video with your friend who's in a who's in a band and um and anybody who's been at a in at a show indoors, you know, I actually haven't been to one since COVID but I haven't either. I want to, but then then I'm like, oh I don't know. Um but you know, you know what that environment feels like. It's hot, it's humid, you have lots of people, lots of sweat, you know, just, 
and your CO2 Heavy air. Heavy air. Yeah, exactly. And it was off the charts there. It was like 3,000 versus like 800. And that measurement was from the stage too, which is not as densely packed as the crowd, right? So that was even more scary is that they, you know, as... So the findings were like, as the venue got more full, the reading from the stage was higher and higher and higher. And the final one was like off the charts, like you were saying. And, you know, that's unhealthy anyway, with COVID or not, to have mm-hmm. that much CO2 in your environment because it helps, you know, you, it affects your brain function and all this other stuff. So, you know, it was kind of crazy. And, and you know that's it's not surprising that a lot of touring bands are getting COVID and having to cancel shows because we see on this that you know it doesn't get better as the night goes on (laughs) we're just breathing everybody else's air yeah Yeah. i mean and it's you know it would be nice to get see a measurement from like in the crowd i should probably do one of those but um i'm definitely not going to be the person taking the measurements (laughs) yeah but yeah we have a we have a series of videos on my channel where we talk about different different things like we measure inside target we measure on airplanes on trains um different a sports facility like we do yeah all kind of- speaking of planes so you did you did measurements like for board boarding yeah and then disembarking essentially and that's those are the times where yeah you're more at risk because you don't have the correct air filtration going. Yep. It dropped when they were in flight, um, the levels because they do have the filtration, but you know, it's important. And I got a lot of like nasty comments on that video that like, this was all wrong because the planes have filters. And I was like, well, I understand that. But the highest points were the times when those filters were not going, like when you're right. boarding and when you're taxiing and when you're getting off the plane, that's when the that's when the CO2 levels were crazy. And um, that HEPA filtration system is only going when you're in flight. Yeah. So definitely wear a mask on the plane if you aren't planning to. So I'm really excited to talk to you, Kat, about monkeypox mm-hmm. for, for many reasons. Um, we know we have, you know, some community spread, but it's a different, obviously it's a different virus. It's like a different mode of transmission. Right. Or I guess, what do you know about monkeypox? And especially now that you're like working at the clinic too, you have some insight as well. Yeah. So the, you know, everybody is freaked out, freaked out about monkeypox and I understand it because the rash, you know, you see pictures and it looks really bad and, you know, people don't want that on their face and, you know, all that. So, totally understandable why people would be worried about getting it. But um, there's been some misinformation also about monkeypox that's been kind of going viral. There's, there's been some like panic hysteria inducing, you know, you can get it on the subway or some, somebody got it on the train in Spain and, and just weird kind of anecdotes that have gone viral that, um, this virus does not spread. It's not COVID and it doesn't spread like COVID. So I think it's important to kind of start there because COVID is something people understand. So it's a good level setter. Um, 
you know, COVID's very contagious because it spreads in sort of airborne particles and you can get it on the subway and you can get it, you know, in casual situations where you're talking to people. Um, Monkeypox is not that way. So you, you really need to have close contact, not casual contact with somebody with an infected person. So it needs to be sexual contact is more than 90% of the cases. And that's really important to understand. Um, so it's not just like the more research that comes out and the more cases that get assessed, it's been confirmed over and over again that that is how this virus is spreading. Um, so it started spreading at certain events over the summer that were kind of highly interconnected kind of social sexual networks. Um, and then they sort of spread when those people went back home to where they lived. And it's been spreading mostly in the um, men who have sex with men and gay communities, but there's nothing about monkeypox biologically that, um, you know, there's nothing about being a man who has sex with men or a gay person that predisposes you to monkeypox. Right. It's nothing biological to do with that, but it just happens that there are these kind of connected social networks that enabled the virus to spread. And to be honest, the community um, hasn't had a lot of tools to deal with the virus because we had a vaccine shortage, but sort of on their own, have exercised a lot of behavior modification and education. And that has really been showing up in the data in big cities like New York and Chicago, um, London. You see rates dropping because people are modifying their behavior. Um, you know, we are vaccinating too, but it's not um, to the point where you would see change like that. So it's really nice there, you know, in a way that community is you know, very responsive. Um, they, they, yeah, they're very responsive. They're very vigilant because, you know, the elder members of that community really understand the importance of public health and, you know, really drove that home. And at least in Chicago, where I live, the business owners who watched their partners and friends pass away in the 80s and 90s like they're the people that are kind of the leaders of the community here and they instill you know they did pop-up clinics they're providing education it's on every single website here you know there's a really strong sense of community and that education piece is really important and they're working with the city and so it's been a really positive experience, I guess, because I'm seeing the community really respond to the public health community. And I wish every community would do that. Mm -hmm. um, because I mean, the real unsung heroes in this whole response is the community itself. That's really great. Um, you know, I think it, there's, I'm sure you've seen all this stuff on, on social media and everything about like, that, um, I don't know that this is not an STI or that this is right. not, um, uh, we don't want to stigmatize, um, yeah, the gay it community and there was maybe a missed opportunity 
So I, it's nice to hear you say like that, that community themselves are, maybe there are some people who are not feeling necessarily vilified or whatever, and that they're coming together to help solve. Absolutely. And, and I see it. So I think that what you're touching on is a really important point um, that there are, you know, there's a way to communicate who's at highest risk for something without blaming communities or shaming behavior. So, you know, there's ways to modify behavior that don't necessarily have to be like, you know, don't have sex that way because it's bad or something. You know, you could say things like, you know, reduce your number of partners, maybe make a pod of people that you know and trust and know their status. Um, You know, there's other ways that you can reduce risk that aren't necessarily shaming behavior because that never works anyway, no matter what. So it only forces people to not seek help if they have problems. So we don't want that. And so but there's there's a way. So I think at the beginning of this outbreak, there were people, maybe even the media that was reluctant to really say this is where this is spreading because, you know, there was other media that was <laughs> stigmatizing it as a, yeah. a gay disease and that, yes. So, you know, that's I think there's a there's a way to communicate who's at highest risk and and try to get them to, um, you know, come in or modify treat, you know, modify behavior and without being stigmatizing in your language. One, th- yeah. One thing that I feel like was really great about, I mean, made me feel better about this, you know, out- outbreak, I guess, um, was that there's already a vaccine that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not so most likely you're not going to die. Like yeah. if, well, if I yeah. get it, you know, I mean, right now I'm probably at low risk, but you know, there might be a ch- chance when I'm exposed, maybe as a healthcare worker, even though, I mean, who, who knows, but, um, you know, uh, there, there is a vaccine and that's great. And they're working on getting more out there and they're, you know, we have tools. It's a disease we know about, right? It's, we, we get it. We know it. We've dealt with it before it's not a novel virus and we know how it spreads it doesn't spread as fast or quickly you need a lot of prolonged physical contact with somebody to get a case and we have seen um some cases that have like most of them are sexual in nature we have seen some childhood cases of monkeypox but they are all linked to a positive case so it's not like they were spreading a household case so Mm -hmm. that's an important point is that it's not spreading in daycares and it's not these kids have not gotten it in a communal childhood setting it's all been linked to a home case of a positive person in their home so that is and the and there was a dog too right they there's and that was really yeah, there's a dog. Um, and so they have new guidelines now for if you have monkeypox, like how to deal with it if you have pets. And so there's a CDC released a new guideline on it. Uh, this I think it was last end of last week because there's wow. a dog now. <laughs> so 
So yeah, I mean, if you're, I guess, sleeping with your dog, it could get monkeypox from you if you have it. So there's new guidelines for that. But um, so yeah, so it's it's in the fear was as soon as school started, we would see monkeypox outbreaks in schools. And, you know, there's been schools in session now for a few weeks, and we haven't really heard anything yet, which is encouraging. And the only childhood cases that we have to date are, you know, home transmission. So hopefully that stays the same. Um, I can't, with, with the data looking the way it does, it's hard for me to imagine um, that it would change, but, you know, I'm, I'm always surprised in this business. <laughs> so uh, I rem- I keep an open mind. But I also don't think there's any reason to give parents anxiety about it because we are not seeing it in the data right now. Um, so I refrain from kind of the hysteria approach on my channels because I tend to just go with the data that we have and the guidances that we have until we have other data, you know, And if that means that we were wrong before we collected more data, that's just the way science works, you know? Um, But we don't have any data to support that right now. Yeah. I feel like you would see, you know, the numbers exploding if there was that yeah. high community spread, like it was easy, more transmissible, you know, yes, I know the numbers are increasing, but they're not exploding. No. And we, and if you think about the, if you want to think of it in like orders of magnitude, right. We have still like hundred thousand or so plus COVID cases every day in this country. And, you know, if you compare that to the total number of monkeypox cases that we have, it's not anywhere near the same. So it's, it, you're right. It's not, it doesn't spread as quickly. It doesn't multiply and reproduce as quickly. So we are lucky that we have an opportunity to get on top of this one. (laughs) And hopefully now that we have a new vaccine strategy, we'll have, so because of the, new because of the shortage that we had with the Genios vaccine. Um, so there's two vaccines. One is ACAM 2000, which is an older vaccine that has kind of more side effects. And it also can't be used in certain populations like people with skin conditions and pregnant people and immunocompromised individuals. So we aren't really using that for this. Um, the Genios vaccine is newer and it's much more universally able to be used. So that is the one that's being rolled out and there was a shortage of it. So there's a clinical trial that was done like in 2015 showing that if you gave the injection intradermally instead of subcutaneously, you can get five shots out of the one vial instead of just one. Takes less, I guess, if you administer it that way. You probably understand that more than me, but um, I just understand the data part. Um, so it, um, so that's the that's new great. plan. And right now in Chicago, they're rolling out training for that for our vaccinators, so they know how to do it because it's kind of tricky. Uh, it's like giving a TB test for those of you. Out yes. There. And it makes a little bubble. A wheel. They call yes. it a wheel. You make, you do a little wheel and then you see it rise and then, yeah. 
Okay, so I just got an alert that the Omicron booster has been submitted to the FDA for review. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah, we we interrupt this broadcast to bring. That's so, that's great. Oh my God. Give it to me. Boop. I'm going to go, I'm going out of the country in a month. So I want to have it. Get it in me. Get, Get it in me. me. Um, that's awesome. Anyway, back to, back to monkey talks. I just, okay. need, we needed that news brief real we quick. We did. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So do you think that they'll start giving the vaccine to healthcare workers yet? Or is not, is the recommendation not really there? for there i haven't seen healthcare workers in they just changed the eligibility guidance last week to open it up a little bit um i think healthcare workers that treat monkeypox and laboratory workers that deal with specimens are in there but i don't know if um like general healthcare i don't think they were in there i'm not sure it could vary by state though because the CDC issues their guidance and then the states can do like what they call local rule where they just take it and do what makes sense for their own area. Hmm. So I would check like Washington state for you and anybody who's listening, look at your own, yeah, you know, yeah. county health department or city would tell you who's, who's eligible, you know, basically whenever you're listening to this, cause it'll change and be updated. Right. That's true. Right. Right. Check your local health department. Um, okay. Let's, that was all very, really awesome information. I really appreciate that. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Can we talk about uh, polio? Yes. So the reason that polio is now in the forefront of everybody's mind is because we had a case of polio paralysis in Rockland County, New York, which is very unusual in the U.S. We haven't had a case of polio paralysis since I think it was 2013 was the last one. And before that, it was decades. So this is a problem because polio paralysis is very rare. It's like of all the cases of people that are infected with polio virus, it's like one out of 200 to one out of 2000. So less than 1% of people are going to get polio paralysis. And so the scary part of this is that once we see a case, we know that it's probably spreading in the community because that is such a rare outcome, right? So because of the way the numbers work, if you're seeing that, it probably means there's more, right? Right. Um, So this area of, so the things people need to understand about this is that the area this was caught in is an area that's known for their vaccine hesitancy. Oh, that's right. And this, the state of New York, their kind of polio uptake of childhood vaccines, like the amount of kids that are fully vaccinated for polio is about 80%. This county in New York was like 59 or 60% fully vaccinated for polio. And this person was from a religious community that didn't vaccinate. So That is important context, I think, for this conversation is that this area and this community this person belonged to was not a vaccine strong area. So they didn't have a lot of herd immunity for polio in this area. 
So that's that's the background. And then a couple of weeks later, so that was in July. And then a couple of weeks later, there was polio virus detected in the wastewater in New York City, which basically confirmed that there was community spread, right? Because we saw it in Rockland County, and then we saw it in wastewater in the city. So, you know, automatically there was panic because people just assumed we were all going to be on iron lungs and that, you know, the people picture the worst, right? Right. And the, me- the media doesn't help. No, it does not help whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. So, so here's the, so here's the thing. So, okay. And then in third part of this was that the UK in June, they also found polio virus in their wastewater in London, but they're better at screening for things like that than we are. So they found it earlier. And then their approach to this was to vaccinate everybody ages one through nine with a booster for polio. That was how the UK NHS decided to handle this. So given all of this background, people just kind of said, oh, well, I need a polio booster because that's how the UK is dealing with their their issue or potential issue. They don't have any cases over there of polio paralysis. They just found it in the wastewater and are being proactive. So all of that to say that um, we have had one problem that is widespread that doesn't only have to do with polio is that during the pandemic, kids have fallen behind on their vaccinations, their routine childhood vaccinations. So that is global. It's everywhere. So the the UK, in an attempt to bring awareness to the importance of vaccines, is giving this booster to ages one through nine. I'm I'm not sure I'm completely on board with the logic because it seems to me that anybody that's vaccinated already will just get another one and people that are against vaccination won't and it really won't raise the population immunity. But hopefully this awareness campaign will get additional people get everybody up to date, number one, who isn't, and the people that are not on board with vaccination, maybe this will, you know, make them realize the real implications of not being vaccinated. So that's the way they chose to deal with that. Um, But I think because of that, people here think we all need a polio booster. And we in the U.S., the CDC has not changed their recommendation for polio vaccination due to these kind these situations that we've found here. And that is that kids should get four doses of polio vaccine. And there's different times when they have to get those. And the last one is like ages four through six. Adults, if they have not been vaccinated, there's a three dose catch up schedule that they can do. So if you're an adult and you've never had the polio vaccine, then you can talk to your doctor about getting on that catch-up schedule. Anybody whose children has fallen behind on that any vaccines during the pandemic, which a lot of kids did, um, that this is a great time to make that appointment now and go and get those, or at least talk about getting all caught up with your pediatrician. Um, 
So that's that's the recommendation right now. There is no recommendation for fully vaccinated adults to go get a booster from CVS. Um, I have a question, and that, um, and I'm sure you've gotten this question all all the time. So, mo- all of us who've adhered to the regular vaccine schedule, we all should have been vaccinated against polio, right? Yes. So, I mean, I was a kid when I got all my vaccines, according to my mom. Yes, of course, I'm vaccinated. I looked at whatever the the Tdap series or the. Yeah. 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 But anyway, I mean, I just thought about record from my mother this weekend because I was like, okay, when I was at her house, I'm like, do you have mine? And it's not anything like what it's like check marks in boxes with no dates and stuff. Like what they used to do is like not anywhere near the charting that we have now. Like what I have for my son is like exact dates when the vaccines were administered and it's not like that. So, but I do see that I had my doses of polio vaccine. So that made me feel good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But we all should, those of us who got vaccinated and completed our series, we all should have had, the polio vaccine or the series, right? Correct. Yeah. And it's not, it was obviously different than what, what the, our parents who have the big pop. pop That is, that's a question I get a lot. And that's actually the smallpox vaccine that gave gave the big, no, but everyone thinks that. So one, it must be part of our communal, Let's clarify that for everybody listening is that we did stop giving the smallpox vaccine in like 1973 or something like that in the U.S. Um, It was eradicated globally smallpox in 1980. So we don't give that vaccine anymore. And so a lot of us didn't get it. Smallpox vaccine. I didn't get it. You didn't get it. So we didn't get that one. And our parents have the circle or some people that were born outside the country before 1980 might have that circle. Polio vaccine, we still give to everybody and never stopped. That's good. That's great. Yes. That's great information. There are people that have fallen behind, like I said, during the pandemic, but it is not like the smallpox vaccine, even though we, okay, so this is a good, another good epidemiology concept. So smallpox was eradicated. Polio was eliminated, which is different from eradication because it was still spreading elsewhere and able to spread here if there were enough unvaccinated people um, in the community. Like, and that's what happened in Rockland County, New York. It was obviously spreading in that community. This person now is presenting with polio paralysis, which is the rare, awful, but before we had these vaccines in the 1940s and 50s, there were tons of cases because this virus is very contagious. So, so much spread was happening that we had like 15,000 cases of paralysis a year. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, or meningitis is another outcome of polio virus that's negative. Um, and then as we started to vaccinate, those cases dropped. So it went to like, you know, 20 years later in the 1970s, we only had like 10 cases of paralysis a year. And now we're surprised to even have one. So we know that these vaccines work to prevent that bad outcome. Good. Great. Great. And like you said, back to your 
yeah, back to your original point, that's a very rare, rare complication. Um, and being a good member of public health and being up to date on your vaccines, I mean, really does help the community. So and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, we will see the, we will see polio virus probably from time to time, but if you are fully vaccinated and your children are fully vaccinated, then you are protected from these bad outcomes. And because there are parts of the world that still use the live oral polio vaccine. And so you can get, if you're not vaccinated against polio, you can catch polio virus, vaccine derived polio virus from those people who got that OPV oral polio virus vaccine. So you should be vaccinated because there could be polio virus in your community. Yep. You know, I feel like what we talked a lot about today is, you know, different, obviously different viruses, COVID-19, monkeypox, polio. Um, the takeaway for me is like, uh, just don't, don't panic. I mean, we already had the big panic from COVID-19 and that was real. And that was scary. You know, now we're like learning to live with it. We have a new booster, a new shot. I know this was exciting. New actual <laughs> new vax. Should we say it's a new vaccine? It is. I mean, it vaccine. kind of is a new formulation of the vaccine. So we have that, you know, monkeypox. We do have a vaccine for, um, it's not, I mean, it's an, it's a thing that we're dealing with, but, um, no, I guess if you're, if you figure out that you're high risk, maybe you should get the vaccine. Um, but, and then I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't feel also all terrible. No. And I think that as long as we stick to the I think the data is soothing to people. Like it's nice to know what you're dealing with. Right. So anytime you're worried about anything, just look up, go to your local health department and look up what they have to say, because they'll update their page. CDC will update their page with the data that we have, with the ways that things are spreading. And you can read it for yourself and you can just see that, you know, okay, then I just maybe won't do that thing that's on the list. If I, you know, make sure you're up to date with your vaccines, do what you can and I mean, that's, I, I don't believe panic helps anything. Um, it just gives people anxiety and makes them kind of freeze. So I would say empower yourself with data and information and read, you know, everything on the CDC website is written for lay people. And I know a lot of the people that listen to your podcast are not lay people, but it's written in a way that's not like complex epidemiology language, right? So Anybody can learn from that. Man, it's so great to have you on the show. I feel like I could still just talk to you for like another hour. I know. I'm so <laughs> glad we did this, though. It was it was like meant to be because, like I said, I was thinking about you anyway the same day you wrote me. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Uh, I swear, if I ever get out to Chicago, I'm going to find you. And Please. We'll have to go do something. Are you still roller skating? Yeah. That's so cool. It's kind of my sanity. <laughs> You're like the coolest uh, woman in science. Oh, that's so nice. I um, feel like a total nerd, like 
most of the time. So that makes me feel good. <laughs> I love it. And don't, and what do you think? Do you, do you think that your character, that character in that movie, oh, don't, don't, look, don't up, look up, was wonder if someone, I, I don't know. A lot of people said maybe so that many character people was based on you. Me. It's very odd. It's very odd. I don't know. It, she didn't have glasses though. So it could be a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, there was this movie, Don't Look Up. I'm, everybody watched it anyway. Um, yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence's character kind of looked like you. <laughs> anyway, you're, if people want to find you, you actually have a really great website and you have a really awesome newsletter that you're putting out, which I love. Yes, yes, I need to get... I, I try to post a newsletter at least once a week. Um, it's... It's extra work, but I like to do that because it gives everybody all the links that I used for the research in my videos. And it's easier than just going to my link tree because you can see exactly like what I was thinking when I posted each link. Right. I'm just like trying to pull it up. Is it doctor? It's epidemiologistcat.com. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I should have been a little more creative when I came up with my website name but like what? i love it <laughs> well that's your well i guess that's your handle yeah, on it just went with everything else so um yeah people please go and um subscribe to dr cat's blog um her newsletter is full of all all kinds of really good information follow her on tiktok and instagram instagram um, for really awesome, cool, up-to-date information. And um, I just can't thank you enough. You're, of course. So we had cool. a great conversation. I loved yeah, it. It was so awesome. Um, and as I'm going to close this one out and say, okay. stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> I can't talk. Stay, stay safe. safe. <laughs> and stay sane. And we'll see you yes, on the next one. That's the most important part. Right? Yeah. Stay safe. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you're listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.